Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy's Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy's on Instagram at ziggies.stockton. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. We are coming off of a really fun episode just this past week where Ryan and I came in and talked about the Kings ahead of the trade deadline for episode 135. You can check out that episode or any of our other episodes streaming on the Believe Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Bringing in my co-host, as always, Ryan, what's good? What's going on, everybody? We are recording Saturday morning. Uh, What is this? February 11th. So just want to let everybody know my birthday is fastly and rapidly approaching. If you guys would like to reach out, maybe send me a little Venmo, you know, whatever you guys feel like for being such a a great host on Kings cast. Uh, Kings got Dallas tonight, man. Luca should be playing Eric. So me and Eric will be there. Luca, Kyrie, first game together. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Sacramento really effed it up last night. So they are tied with Dallas Mavericks in the standings. I believe with 31 wins. So they're tied in, in, in the win column. So, um, you know, I'm sure we're going to jump into it, but we are post trade deadline now. Um, got the news yesterday, Deer and Fox in the all-star game. So that's cool. Deer and Fox, Domas. So uh, a lot of crap happening and it's going to be a real good episode today. So I'll let Eric jump in and, and let you guys know what's going on for the rest of the day. But uh, really excited. If you want to send Ryan that Venmo, you can find him at Venmo at yeah, at OF Ryan for his OnlyFans. Um, it's a real, it's a real niche category for for small weenies. Uh, so uh, check that out as well. All right, yeah, great, great episode today. A big episode. We haven't had our guy Casey on in almost a year. We've tried several times, but we have all been busy. So today is Kingsland episode number six with Casey Yost, fellow admin of the Kingsland Facebook page. What's good, Casey? Welcome back to Kingscast. What's happening, guys? Yeah, happy to be on. We've tried a couple times, couldn't make it happen. Um, you know, life is, is throwing everybody some curveballs, but glad to be on today. It's, uh, it's a great time to be a Kings fan, man. I think uh, this season just has been extremely exciting. We sit in the third seed. I know everybody's coming off a little bit of... Um, I guess disappointment coming out of the trade deadline, but gosh, right. It's uh, looking back at the last 15 years. I feel like we, we finally, you know, turned a corner and we're, we're, we're where we want to be. We're, we're playing meaningful games and that's like, that's all you can ask for. So I'm happy to, happy to be a fan, happy to be on the podcast, happy to be joining you guys. You know, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, of course we like to have you on. They've been good episodes in the past when you've done them. I'm looking back. It's, it hasn't been since last season, since ahead of the trade deadline last season is last time you were on and, uh man you're opinionated we're opinionated yeah it, whether it's been on here on king's cast or whether it's been on on the king's land page 
And so there's a lot has changed. I know there's just a lot of stuff that has talked about that. We've had conversations about that I'm eager to get into with you. And then, of course, what's going on with the Kangs right now um, and just a lot of conversations. So definitely going to be a full episode. So before we get into it, um, KC, we do this game to break in the episode and it's it's how we really get the conversation started. Um, and you're about the same age as us. So you're. You know, your prime childhood basketball era was was 2000s basketball. So what we do is we uh, do I, I do a player bio and I read their bio and you have to guess this player based on their bio. OK, so I'm going to give you one. All right. See if you can get if not. No big deal. It's tough on the spot. I don't really work well this way, so I have a hard time with it. But Ryan is really good. So uh, we'll see if he if I get him today. So here without further ado, Casey, here's your player. OK, let's see if you can get it. All right. So. <clears throat> So this player uh, out of the league currently, all right. He was uh, the he was the fourth pick in the 2006 draft. He's 6'10", 225, and he went to LSU. He was a power forward center. He was drafted by the Chicago Bulls. Played for the Charlotte Bobcats. His playing career from the Bulls was 06 to 2010, and then Bobcats was 10 to 13. I can give you those career points in a second if you don't know who it is. You can tell me that's anytime. Tough. Yeah, that's tough. And before I get this one wrong, I want to say, I think I got the last one right. I think we did this last time. I think it was Ben Wallace, and I got that one right. So before I take my guess, give myself a little bit of credibility. Um, 2006, Bulls, fourth pick. I have somebody in mind. I don't know if they were the fourth pick, and I can't remember. What was the second team you said they played for, the Hornets? No, it was the Charlotte Bobcats from 2010-2013. Yeah. Yeah, power forward center, 6'10". He was a really cool college player. You're going to know him more for college if that helps at LSU, not not from the NBA, because he was kind of a bust. But he was such a notable college player, I wanted to. Th- I, I, I thought you might know it. But if, why don't you take a stab at it? If not, it's tough, man. It's, it, there's a lot of players it could be, right? All right. I have two guesses. The first one, Tyrus Thomas. There you go, bro. Gang, gang. You knocked it out for a shot, dude. <laughs> All right. Sean May was going to be my backup there. It was North, Sean, Sean, Sean May's North Carolina. Yeah. Did did Sean May play for the Kings, Ryan? Didn't he? Did Sean, May played for, Sean May played for the Kings, yeah. That was the thing about the Kings is there was a time in the late – uh, mid to late 2000s where they had like Sheldon Williams, Rashad McCants and Sean May all on the same team. And it was like, if this was if this was the college uh, All-Stars in 2005, then this would be sick. But they were all busts. So good yeah, stuff, Casey. That, that, uh, that, that's a good one, man. So Tyrus Thomas, dude, that's so my favorite college basketball players of all time. Jameer Nelson, Rashad McCants, Tyrus Thomas. Um, that's three guys in probably my top five. I'd have to look for the other two, but Tyrus Thomas and Glenn baby Davis were on that LSU team. I think they went to like the elite eight, dude. That was like that one that, yeah, that, that team was nice. They were thick in the front court. Well, good stuff. KC way, way to earn your stripes, man. Nice stuff. Ryan, you got a really fucking tough one. Okay. I so figured. here, here's your player, Ryan, uh, six, 10, He was the seventh pick in the 96 draft from Villanova. Here's his teams. Kind of a journeyman. 97 to 99, the Philadelphia 76ers. 99 to 04, Milwaukee Bucks. 04 to 05, New York Knicks. 05 to 06, Bulls. 06, Suns. He got traded there, played part of the season. Um, 06 to 08, Clippers. Back to the Knicks in 08 to 09. Back to the Bulls in 2009. Final stint with the Dallas Mavericks, 09 to 10. You'll know him as a small forward, okay? 
240 small forward. And here's a tip. He was a teammate of my previous player I just hit with KC on the Bulls as well in 05 to 06. You said 96 draft? Yeah. God, that's a notable draft too. I'm trying to go through. That's Kobe. Kobe, uh, Allen Iverson draft. Rayon was Rayon in that draft? Yeah. Pages draft. Freaking hell, dude. I gave you a toughie. I know. Sixers, 6'10. Mm-hmm. You're going to know him, Ryan, from the Sixers. Bull, uh, uh, you know, from like the Knicks, the Bulls, Suns, that little era right there. Keith Van Horn. No, not Keith Van Horn. You know, no Keith Van Horn because he was the, the Nets weren't there. Casey, do you might you know who it is by chance? I don't know who it is. I don't even have a good guess. Ninety six is a little bit before me. The boys are going to kill themselves when I tell them that it's former player Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas, shit, dude! I just talked about Tim Thomas two weeks ago on the podcast. Yeah, well, you got it wrong. So I win again. Good stuff, man. I, yeah, and I like that because it it just shows a date. It's going to start dating us, Casey, and it's a fun way to just kind of break in the conversation so good stuff to you guys all around um let's get into the real shit the king stuff okay so this is our king's land episode and so for those of you who just listen to the podcast and maybe uh don't know we run i call it the number one uh king's group on facebook king's land so we started that a couple years ago with kc uh we're up to kc 3.4 k i think on members right now is where we're at yeah it's about right and a lot of credit to KC. He he's uh, got a lot of experience in those Facebook groups and has really built that up with us and helped us get the podcast out there. But the biggest thing and best thing of it all is that we get a lot of great takes out of it. We get a good pulse of the fans. Um, you know, we say Kings Cast is for Kings fans by Kings fans, and that's kind of what Kingsland's become as well. Um, and a lot of smart people in there, a lot of not so smart people in there. So it's you know trade deadline. We're coming out of it. Um, you know, here's where the Kings are at. The Kings currently, you know, everybody knows the situation. If you're, if you're, if you're following right third seed, they're in the thick of the West. One thing Ryan and I have been talking about the last month is that we want the standings to start clearing themselves up. We've been talking about how they've done the great job up to this point, but the season really is going to sort itself out after the trade deadline and the Kings didn't make some moves. So there's a lot of disappointment there. So, Casey, I'll let you break it in with anything you want to start about the state of the Kings and what direction you want to take it for our first uh, first combo here. Yeah, sure. So I think it's, you know, it's only fair to start with. It's just been a great year for these guys, right? Sitting in the third seat, I think even the most optimistic fans weren't going to guess that we were going to come into the season and be a top three seed team coming into the All-Star break. So, you know, kudos to those guys. Kudos to uh, Monty, Mike Brown. Um, and the players, right? It's it's awesome to see Fox and Sabonis make the all-star team, get the recognition that, you know, we've been screaming from the rooftops, especially for Fox over, you know, last three or four years. It's it's nice to see him get that. Um, so, look, all is good. You know, I think from a Kings fan perspective, um, all is good. You know, you, you're sitting in a good place where you want to be. And I, I jumped on here. I'm like, I don't want to jump on and be completely negative, but you know, there is some disappointment coming out of the deadline. And and with that question, I think you look at the West and you look where we sit in the West and even how we've played over the last, you know, 10 to 15 games. I do wish that we had taken advantage of the opportunity to improve in some areas. I think defense specifically, I wish we would have 
Um, got a more serviceable backup big that can either, you know, play next to Sabonis at times or even back him up. I, I thought that either option would have been, you know, pretty good for us and, and could have helped us improve. And we just didn't, you know, marginally get better. And I would have loved to see from a, just a confidence standpoint as a fan, right? Being in the third seed and improving would have gave me so much confidence going into the rest of the season. And we didn't do that. And Gosh, you can go down the line, right? Clippers, Lakers, Suns. Um, I even think the Nuggets got a little bit better, right? Um, all these teams, they, they did just small things. The Phoenix Suns did a big thing, um, but they just did small things to get a little bit better. And that's what you want to do as a, um, you know, a contending team. You want to keep improving. You know, something that I've said in the group is if you're not getting better, you're probably going in the opposite direction because everybody else is getting better. Um, so that's, you know, that's where my disappointment comes from. I, I saw a lot of the trades that happened and they happened for, you know, like role players or expiring contracts or second round picks. And I'm like looking at the roster, looking at our assets. I'm like, we got a lot of those guys. We had six expiring contracts. We could have moved. We had nine second round picks in the next four years. We could have moved. Um, I get maybe, maybe the right move wasn't out there, but seeing some of the things that did happen, I'm like, we had the value to match that. And we could have really used a Plumley, a Thibault, uh, um, a Josh Hart. It's so it's a little disappointing, but look, I'm, I'm optimistic. Let's go get the, the Mavs win tonight, you know, put some of that doubt to bed, you know, push the Mavs back a little bit and, and keep the season rolling. But I, I, I surely think we missed an opportunity to improve and get better there. Yeah, that's a yeah, I get that. One of the things that I want to point out, man, and I've kind of been adamant about the last few weeks is, you know, it's not just about teams that made moves at the trade deadline. You know, like you said, Clippers, Lakers, those the Nuggets who got a little better by bringing in Thomas Bryant and stuff. It's the teams are also getting healthy, right? And and people people aren't looking into aren't looking into this with Sacramento. Sacramento has been far and away the most healthy team in the West, right? And that has a lot to do with why they're the three seed. Uh, you know, not only are those other teams adding players and getting better, but guys are getting healthy, right? Steph Curry is not going to be out forever. And I said that, you know, AD is not going to be out forever. At some point, the Lakers are going to get healthy and make a run. The Clippers, we've seen it already with Kawhi and Paul George, who are surging in the Western Conference, who are right behind us. Those guys aren't hurt no more, and they've added pieces. And it looks like they're probably going to add Russell Westbrook. You know, um, the, the Phoenix Suns, Dem Booker's missed time. Chris Paul's missed time. Those guys are going to get healthy and going to get better. So it wasn't as much, um, you know, teams adding those pieces. But I, I I just look at the Western Conference as a whole and I'm like, man, these guys are going to get healthy and they're going to make moves. And that's why I was so adamant about Sacramento, just adding a little bit. Right. You know, add, add somebody who can help just a little bit, because we saw the other day with Deer and Fox having having his kid and stuff. And look what happened. Right. They got absolutely boat raced. What was that? New Orleans, you know, to a team that. New Orleans was missing three starters that day. Um, that stuff can't happen just because De'Aaron Fox is going to miss one game. You can't, you can't let that stuff go. So I've been, I've been consistent on this take for the last two, three months. It's we are a rolled ankle away from being very, very bad, you know, and, and people don't look at that and people don't understand that, you know, if, if Sabonis injures that thumb even more and he has to miss 10 games, Sacramento is going to slide and they're going to start reeling in the Western conference. So, um, you know, it didn't have to be a big move, but like you said, the Plumley move, yeah, you know, a, a guy like Josh Hart, yeah, Thibel, that could have helped us defensively. So um, it is a little disappointing for me, man. It really is. And I think at some point Sacramento is going to feel that. 
Yeah, and and look, I'll, I'll add one other thing to that, Eric. Before you jump back in, just I think in 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 Kingsland, right? There's a an idea that because we wanted to make a move, it was this big move where we blow it up and change core pieces and change you know everything about the team. It's not. I don't think, and I'm speaking for everybody. I don't think that's what any of you guys wanted to do either. It's just small tweaks, right? We we have weaknesses. Would have loved to see them be addressed. And yeah, maybe they they're addressed in the off season, but you know the time is now. It's a league of opportunity. We have an opportunity as as the third seed to improve and you know continue to fight these guys. And that's what I wanted. I wanted us to to build on that momentum and 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 continue to get better and improve those those small areas. And we didn't do that, so we weren't asking for this big you know game changing move. We're just asking for small tweaks, and that's what we're bummed about that didn't happen. We we did an episode KC titled "Thin Margin of Error" is Kings Cast one thirty four, and that was where a lot of the conversation was about about, uh, and it's really the standings, the closeness of it, and so, um, and 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 I think that's where Kingsland really right now is is uh maybe people are misinterpreting takes on there, right? And I feel like I was kind of a victim of that this past week. Um, and that's why I enjoy the podcast because we can come on here and really elaborate more on it. And and you're right, it's it's not that we're seeing blowing it up. I I had made a post about the Kings need to get ultra aggressive. They may need to consider moving picks. They may need to consider moving a player you like. It's something because we all can sit here, whether it's the most optimistic person or the most pessimistic person. At the end of the day, like the roster, like you said, there's expirings. There's some assets. There was an opportunity to get better, and you just wanted to see that happen like doing nothing was like i think that's why it was the ultimate letdown and so no like blowing it up who who would come on when the kings have completely overachieved and they're the three seed and they look great who would come on and be like you know what blow it up that's the move like no one said that and so i made a post this last week about right at the day of the trade deadline and people said why are you saying blow it up i'm like bro i never said that you know i never said that and so what i think i want to go into is some of the for me, I had said this last week's episode. It was that the Kings currently have to get as much as they can and squeeze every inch of everything that they can out of this roster. And currently, I don't think that they are. And and how I don't think that they are particularly is, is in more in the bench area. And it's because they have almost 14 to $15 million of contracts and just two guys that don't really play a lot in Rashawn Holmes and Terrence Davis. So for me right away, I'm like that right there, parlaying that into some rotational players at best, setting yourself up for the future at best is kind of what we're hoping for. That's a huge win. You know, sometimes you may need to package a couple picks for to do something like that. And so for me, that that was like at minimum. And then always, Casey, there's always rumors about big time moves that go out there. And last year, Ryan and I, and I know you were you were totally there with us. So I know that you you believe this is that Ryan and I wanted to move Tyrese Halliburton for an all star. We said as such for for two months leading up to the season. And at that time, it was kind of the same thing. We were telling people you have to almost be open to the idea if it's out there. And 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 you know that doesn't mean blowing it up. So there's always some rumors here and there, and you kind of side one way or the other. That's the fun of being on Kingsland. You can say that, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I think that for me, I'll speak for myself, and I'll let you guys comment. It's a lot of that those those players that are locked in that maybe don't necessarily fit as well or not playing. It, it doesn't make sense. Like do something about that. And I think that the fact that they came out of the deadline with with dead weight, so to speak, on the roster is probably the most disappointing thing to me. And and people refuse to look ahead in the, or look behind the standings. Everyone's like, well, we're the three seed. Relax. It's like, yeah, man, but as close as they are to the front, they are to the back. And that's just the real of it. It's not negative. 
It's just the real of it. And so you got to do everything you in your power to kind of, uh, you know, m- maintain that level uh, in the standings, right? And so when everyone else is getting better around you and you're not maximizing your roster, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow when you feel like there was an opportunity there, right? And so, um, yeah, it wasn't ever about blowing it up, you know. And I feel like a lot of people were going that direction and and disappointed there wasn't a big move. But at the end of the day, more little moves. I agree. The contract situations with Rashawn Holmes, particularly in Davis, you know. I agree. I agree. The you know, me and you came on here and said, just touch on this real quick, man. That at the end of the day, um, the biggest disappointment for me, bare minimum of what happened is I I really believe Rashawn Holmes should have been moved, man. That's it. And we talked about that. And we, I, I, the last episode I came on here and he got, they got completely obliterated by new Orleans. And I came on here and was like, you know, Rashawn Holmes didn't even play and they were down by 30. And it was like, he's getting fucking moved. The writing's on the wall. There is no way in hell. I literally, you know, if I was a betting man, which I am, you know, I, I, I bet basketball every single day. I would have put all of my winnings last week, you know, on Rashawn Holmes being moved at the deadline and it didn't happen. So for me looking at that, I'm like, holy crap, dude, that's something where you drop the ball at the end of the day, you know, Sacramento, you don't want to be paying a guy 11 million who can't even crack the fricking who can't even crack the rotation to me. And Casey brought it up nine second rounders in the next few years. You, you should have dropped a couple second rounders to get off that contract, pay somebody to take that contract, please. So unfortunately it didn't happen. And you know, we got him under contract for two more years with a player option. And you best believe Rashawn Holmes is opting into that player option. If he's still around uh, a, a smart man would. So I got, I got a question for you, Casey, or really honestly an opportunity here. So you came on Kings cast plenty of times. You went on Kings. Land plenty of times with us about Rashawn Holmes. It was pretty much us three and maybe a couple of randoms out there uh, that were like, don't pay Rashawn Holmes. Everybody else in the world, they fell into the hype. I honestly think the front office and the ownership in some way ha- kind of felt pressured because of the hype to pay that guy. But we were adamant, do not pay him. The market is not is not what the rumors were, okay? And people were like, pay him whatever, pay him whatever. He's untradeable. The craziness of the takes that came out on it, okay? Um, I think this trade deadline in the current Kings roster right now, and if you look at Rashawn Holmes, he's got he's making basically $12 million a year until the end of the 2025 season or something like that, okay? That's difficult. That is tough when you're building a team. The 12 million right there is the difference between a player coming in uh, right now to help and not. It's, if they didn't pay him right there, they could have made a move, a little move. And, they, and things start to snowball at the end of the season. You start to look back at these little things. That's why a year ago, two years ago, we were on that train because you know you can't pay guys like that. So you haven't been on here in a while. And I feel like it's a great opportunity um, since it's came back to bite us in the ass, unfortunately, which I don't ever cheer for. And I know you don't cheer for either. I don't want to be right on this. I was hoping Rashawn Holmes would be able to be a dog, but he's not. I, I you know, I want that. So here's the, here it is, Casey. Let's go in on Rashawn Holmes. Let's go into the contract and let's, let's do this again. Yeah. Yeah. Look, fair enough. And well, this isn't something that we've brought up too much. You know, I think I'll, I'll reach out and poke at Chris Laird a little bit uh, now and then about some of our conversations back and forth. But this isn't anything that we, I take pride in jumping on and, and being like, I was right because, you know, it's hurting us. I'm normally the opposite. And right? I'm right because it, it's benefiting us. We should have traded for Sabonis. I'm right about that. Right. Um, but yeah, look, this one, I think at the time, and even us, we even fell into the hype a little bit. I think we were okay with an eight to 10 million range. And looking back, I'm like, that was too much. 
you know, I think we got pulled into the hype of, of him playing well and us not wanting to lose a, a, you know, a piece and a big man, the only big man that we had at the time. So it is what it is. You know, we're, we're in a position now and I, I, I would imagine we couldn't move him because of just the difficulty in that contract. And you don't want to be paying a guy 10 million to sit on the bench. Um, but it's, that's what happens when you're an all hustle player, you look at the ceiling of this guy. And this is what we talked about. Just not, not very skilled, right? You're not looking at areas that he's going to go in and, and get better from a post move standpoint. You're, he's not going to, um, you know, develop a really good jump shot. It's just not the skilled player that you can see continue to grow. What we outlined was this is ceiling Rashawn Holmes. If he keeps playing at this level, maybe he's worth eight to 10, you know, million in a backup center role. We kind of thought that that's what his best position was going to be. Um, but we changed the offense a little bit. You need to be a little bit more skilled to play in this offense. You got to be able to pass. You got to be able to read. And he just doesn't have that skill set. So now we're in a position. He's the third big off the bench. He's making $12 million a year. It's not ideal. And I think we pointed out some of these things you know, earlier on. And now can't move the contract. He'll probably be on the team for another two years because we can't move the contract either unless we go find somebody that – Maybe, maybe either has a bigger contract that they're trying to move, or like you said, Eric, right? We got to package some draft picks and pay to get somebody to take that. But I think this guy might be a king for the next year or so, just because it's going to be difficult to move. Yeah, the biggest thing, the biggest thing, you know, you, you just brought up is as a third big man. When when people were talking about him getting paid, legitimately, I don't know if you guys remember, but you know, for all the listeners, eighteen to twenty million is what we were told by very notable. Kings people, you can call them, right? Like I'm, I'm talking like people on the radio, people who who own other, you know, podcasts and Sacramento B people, all that kind of stuff. Um, 18 to 20 million is what we're told. And you know, it, it it was never it was never that we hated Rashawn Holmes, right? Like the guy does have a role um on a team. The guy hustles. Um, you know, he 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 seems like he plays some defense. In reality, it's kind of getting proven against that, but um, I always came on here and said, you know, man, Rashawn Holmes is a decent player. If Sacramento Kings have Rashawn Holmes as their backup center, that means the roster's in a good place and we're probably a playoff team. And I said that multiple times on the podcast. You can go back and find it. I was always like, dude, the guy doesn't have to be a starter. I'm not saying you don't bring him back, but if he's your backup center, and in this case, he's the third center, right? That means you're a good team. And that's, you know, uh, that's where it was. And a lot of people took that as hating. A lot of people thought that we were just like, screw Rashawn Holmes, but I, I was never screw Rashawn Holmes as a player. I was always screw Rashawn Holmes as the $20 million player, right? There's a big difference between that. And KC, you're right. We did kind of get bamboozled, right? We were on here saying, I, and I, I think I came on and said 10 to 13 million, which he ended up getting um, that I'd be okay with. And at the end of the day, even our take, like you said, that, that's a good call right there. We, we were high, right? Looking back, that guy should have probably got 6 million. At the end of the day, looking back to where he's at now, six million per year is probably what that guy was worth. Um, something like three years, twenty million. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, now looking back on it, but you can't predict the future. But um, those takes of eighteen to twenty million were absolutely ludicrous. I don't know if you guys know, but this—if you go to games, he was getting MVP chance. People, again, very notable people that follow the team and have podcasts and write, you know, about the team, were saying that he was untouchable in trade talks two years ago, untouchable. He was untouchable. And I'll, and you know, if, and if anybody wants to dispute that, I'll go find the receipts, man, they're out there. Um, so 
it's disappointing, dude. And hopefully this is the last time we ever get to talk about Rashawn Holmes in this light until we fucking move him. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Eric. Well, at the time, too, it was this. You got to look at. I think the one thing that I notice about sports, okay, Casey, and we bring this up, it's that people never like to go revisit revisit takes, right? Everyone makes the take in the moment, time passes, and it's like you never go and revisit them. And that's one thing I like to do on the show uh, is is do that, is revisit those takes. And at the time, like he was eating a lot of minutes and, you know, you could see that ceiling and it wasn't terrible, obviously. So, but at the time though, to all of our credit, uh, my ideal situation was that range, that 10 million range for up to three years with team option. Because if they had done that, Think about it. They would have had Rashawn Holmes last season. They would have had him this season, and they they be coming up on a team option this year. That's an exp- that's technically an expiring contract. So imagine if the Kings had had a ten to twelve million dollar expiring contract at this past deadline. That'd been huge. That'd been so huge. They could have moved that and really gotten that player, and it'd been the, all the difference, right? And so I like to revisit the takes because in the moment, a lot of people, like you said, Ryan, make it about hating. They say, "Oh, you're a hater, hitter." It's like, no, no, no. It's about contracts in the NBA. It's a salary cap league, and it's so finite, especially when you're building a team. You can't really lock things in. You have to always have that flexibility. And so in the moment, you can pay a guy, but you have to give the out. You have to you have to consider all of those things. And that's one thing that is not just exclusive to the Kingsland page. It's just sports debate. It's Twitter. It's I'm a Bucks fan. I see it on Bucks on the Bucks stuff. Um, you guys probably see it on other teams. You know, pe- people just can't separate the finer details. And in the take, uh, you know, they really can't. And, and, and in Kingsland, it's been tough. So, um, you know, you know, like I said, I think we're all in agreement. We would have loved to have been wrong. I, I would have loved it to be like, dude, Rashawn Holmes is a fringe all star. Rashawn Holmes is a, is a key player in the rotation right now. And he is what everyone said he was. I, I really do wish that I'm a Kings fans first. You know, I'm not about being right. It's about getting it right kind of deal. And so, yeah, here we are. I, I wanted to have that conversation and not spend the whole episode on it, but it is a consequence of actions. And, you know, we haven't revisited that take. And so I feel like there's some other stuff going on right now too, KC. You probably notice it when you're going through the page and that, uh, that do you, do you kind of notice that the lack of, uh, you know, understanding in, in the, in the, in the, how am I trying to say like, People get confused by people's takes, I guess. You can't really say something. People take it to the extreme one way or the other. And there's a little there's sometimes more nuance in it, don't you think? And, and and what kind of stuff are you seeing on that right now? The tread deadline. You made a post I, I think I'm kind of referencing yesterday that kind of fell into line with this, right? About the people not seeing the nuance or understanding they're kind of overreacting one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah, look, I think the first comment is it's really hard online to understand what somebody's trying to say and the the tone that they're trying to say it in, right? I think we, we can get on and talk in person and talk on an audio conversation like, like this, and it's much easier to understand where somebody's coming from and what they mean and, and kind of push back and forth a little bit. I think online, it's just you read something and your inter- interpretation of that is going to be how you react, right? And it might not be what that person meant. Um, but it's going to be how you took it. And then you just react and make a comment right away. And then maybe it's an aggressive comment. You're back and forth with each other. But 
Um, I think the post that you're referring to, and I, I got a little frustrated with some people in the group with just the sense of, and I think it goes back into like hating on Rashawn Holmes, right? It wasn't our goal then. It's not our goal to hate on Monty McNair now for not making any moves at the deadline, right? I think it's okay for us to call out a missed opportunity and that we think he should have done X, Y, and Z. Doesn't matter. Doesn't mean we think he's a bad GM. It doesn't mean we hate the guy. We certainly don't think he should be fired or at least, you know, I don't think that. Um, but that's where people come across, right? When you challenge what he's doing and you kind of complain a little bit and wish it was in this realm, somebody will read that and think, wow, this guy doesn't like Monty McNair. He doesn't think he's doing a good job um, because of those comments. And that's just the part that's not true. So I was trying to illustrate that a little bit is, guys, we like Monty McNair. We He's done a great job. Um you know, where we're at right now, kudos to him. I just made a post about a week ago saying that he's the executive of the year, right? So it's not like we don't think this guy's doing a good job, but it doesn't need to be incomplete blind support, which is where I think a lot of Kings fans fall into with the players and, you know, the the GM and every decision that's made. You can challenge these things, guys. That's, that's what my point was, you know, come on and drop a take and, um, you know, don't just say dumb post or, or something like like that right say hey you know I, I get where you're coming from but here's why I don't think that you're right or something like that and that's fine but calling somebody a casual because you don't you know agree with every decision Monty McNair makes that's what made me kind of frustrated and what drove that post so um, it's all good we're all Kings fans we all want to win we all want to improve I know a lot of people wanted to make a trade at the deadline and it didn't happen and they're trying to um, just be cool, calm, and collected out of out of it. And I get that. That's fine. I'm not hating on on anybody that that's taken that stance. But it it's okay to to challenge it and um, let everybody know that you think that there was a better direction. That's what I try to do. Yeah, it's difficult online. Yeah, I made I made a post. I made a post uh, just at, at the end of the day, right? Because I've been aggressive early day. Make a move. Make a move. Do something. Um, and then at the end of the day, I said, yeah, at the end of the day, I'm disappointed. Right, I'm I'm disappointed in, in in the outcome. I wish they could have done X Y Z stuff we're talking about, but the, but to this point, Ryan and I have a saying. We call Monty Big Balls McNair number one. That's is you know we we we're we're with that. He's not without he's not without faults. Right to this point, but right now I'm gonna choose the little bit of optimism instead of pessimism when it comes to him, and I'm gonna say in Monty we trust, which we've done episodes on that. Right, so that that's kind of my tone. I believe in the King's direction overall. Right. And, and so our Aaron Nakamura, who's really uh, active on the page, he had commented on there. He's like, well, which is it? Is it this? Is it that? It's like it can kind of be both, bro. I can be disappointed in the moment. I cannot like what's going on in the moment, but I can still kind of choose that optimism moving forward. You, you know, and that's where I said the nuance kind of gets lost on and not, not just this situation with the trade line, but takes in general. Right. There's it's more nuanced in, in, in to it. Right. Do you experience the same thing, Ryan? Or, or what, what, what do you think? Yeah, no. It, so I was gonna say, Monty Big Balls McNair and, and Monty Retrust. Literally, you you know you you beat me to the point. Uh, you know, people lose sight of you know just because you make a take that you know they think that again you're panicking and you're not trusting the overall direction of the franchise, and that's not it at all, man. You you I think you articulated it perfect there. You know, you can be upset or disappointed in the moment, but still have that trust in the front office and trust the direction of the team moving forward. So. I think you hit that nail on the head, man. All right. And I got us. Go, go ahead, Casey. Close it up. Yeah. Just to add on to that, you know, you mentioned Aaron and he said something that I think is is really true about Monty McNair. And I was just talking to my buddy, um, Tony, about this last night as well. And Monty McNair is, is 
headed in the right direction, right? I think, you know, he's on the freeway right now. We're, we're moving in the right spot. But he, in my opinion, goes about 50 miles an hour in the 65, right? All the decision he he makes are really good decisions, but I think he was a little slow to make them. I think he should have fired you know, Luke Walton probably the, the offseason before. I think he should have pulled the trigger for the second all-star probably the year before or in that offseason. And then you would have had all year. So the guy is, is doing a great job. He's headed in the right direction. Um, he's doing everything right. Uh, we'd love him to make these decisions a little bit faster and, and get to where we want to go a little bit faster. And maybe it's not possible. Look, that's fair. Um, but that I Aaron has made that comment a couple times, and I, I really like it. I, I think I agree with that. Um, he, he does it. He, he does everything the right way. He just takes a little while to get there. It's true. Yeah. They, and when, I think part of that is that there has been a lot of turbulence, um, uh, in, in the Kings front office and a Kings franchise, like the, especially like the last five or six years. And so I, I'm going to guess like there's just as being an adult, I'm going to look at the situation and say that, you know, the guy can't come in super aggressive and just start doing a bunch of different things when you're up for a contract extension as well. You know, you kind of have to, if you're in a job, you're not going to do that. You're not going to be fuck it. I'm going to do me because <laughs> one wrong little move. It's like, you're, you're totally set back. And that's when you have like, when you have security in the front office and continuity in the front office, you can do things like that. And that's been the problem with the Kings. When you're a shit team for a long time, a symptom of a shit team is constant turnover. The front office zero continuity. You can never make a decision. And it's like one decision. That's it. You're, you're judged on that one forever. And so I'm going to guess that's probably a, a big part of it. But I think that last year trading Tyrese Halliburton um, really, he earned his keep, so to speak, you know, he earned him the extension. He believed in Fox. He did the right move. So, I think that you'll start to see that more and more. And I, I do, like you said, we at the end of the day, he's shown us to this point. He's in money. We trust, man. I, I'm for that now. I'm going to criticize moves. I don't give a shot. And it goes with players too, uh, KC. You know, Ryan and I take a take a bit from Colin Coward, who we listen to a lot, and we say fall in like with players, not fall in love. And and it's the same thing with the front office, blinded loyalty, if if you if you will. Like we're not going to do that. And so uh, I think that's that's a thing, the, the nuance of takes and, and all that. So um, next subject, I know you're passionate about as well as us, is that is De'Aaron Fox. And um, this is a great one because last two, well, two years, you know, prior to this one, um, Kings draft Halliburton and, and, and the new guy, the fresh guy is always the one that everybody fucking loves. And and it, it was baffling to me. And you as well, and Ryan, and that that going to the last season, it's like this 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 second year player is going to be uh he's all of a sudden better than our franchise player. And and the, we talk about how guys get drafted so young in the NBA now that it it literally takes them to that second contract. They get the max uh they get the max contract early just because the way the CBA works before they ever really have to earn it. So you kind of almost gambling. We're used to just pay a guy off production. You're still paying max contract off of potential future production. And I think that didn't sit as well for a lot of Kings fans that didn't believe in De'Aaron Fox when he got the big money. And then they come in last year and they underperformed, so to speak, uh, from people's expectations. And so I think that created this kind of negativity towards De'Aaron Fox. And then this uh, belief in Tyrese Halliburton, who's a good player. And so... Uh, 
uh, it forced us. We do it at the beginning of each season. We always do the number one player. Kings cast is going to have to defend. And for two years in a row, it was De'Aaron Fox because I just believe in him so much. I see where, what he's doing now. I, I saw that. I truly did. Ryan saw that. I, he did. And I, you did as well. And so um, I, w- I want you to talk a little bit about that. He gets put into the all-star game. Um, he looks great. His scoring's improved. Everything you can talk about. And just how great is it to know you know, that's one we, I want to boast about being right, because uh, it was to me, it was so easy. But uh, just to see the Kings, a true franchise player, a true elite level skill set player, finally kind of take that step and everybody in Kingsland to back the fuck off that guy. Yeah, look, um, I'm so happy for De'Aaron Fox, man. Kudos to him. He he deserved to be an all star more than anybody else in the league. And I, I don't say that because he's the best player in the league, but that guy has carried so much baggage from a Sacramento standpoint in the last four or five years. It's just nice to see him get some of that recognition. So thrilled that he got that. He should have got it on the first go around. Um, it sucks that they had to kind of make it right, but at least they did, you know, at least we, they, uh, we can restore some faith and, or they restored some faith for themselves. Right. And, and being able to do that. And I, I'm really happy for him, but yeah, man, look, it's Fox. There's few players that I like really followed and liked in college that we ended up getting. You know, you look at Deer and Fox was one of them at Kentucky. I I followed Cousins really closely and liked him and we got him. But seeing, you know, the journey from Kentucky to the struggle on the Kings to start um, to kind of coming into his own. He This guy has put up all star numbers for the last couple of years and he was told over and over, right, you're not you're not an all star unless you win. And then he he wins and he doesn't get it. So I'm I'm really glad that 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 came back and that um, we've been able to see the the journey for this kid, man. He's um, we've said for a long time. I think we illustrated really well that it wasn't his fault that we weren't winning in the past. That we we never were even close to the, having the right pieces around him to give him a chance to win. Um, and gosh, man, look, believe it or not, right? You give him some pieces, the guy's good, right? This. Uh, I, I heard people call him a loser before because he wasn't winning. The guy won at every stage before he came to Sacramento. He's not a loser. We have not put the pieces around him for him to be successful. And we do and we see what, what happens with that. So, gosh, man, I'm I'm really glad that we didn't go the other direction. And, you know, I think what six, maybe 60, 70 percent of the fan base and the media wanted us to go, which was to move Fox and to try to go through a slow rebuild and and to use Tyrese as that that founding kind of main building block. And I'm really glad we didn't do that. And I think we're kind of, we have the benefit of now seeing the success and seeing why we had that take before. And that's, it's nice to look back and see, you know, say, see guys, that's, it's kind of what we were talking about. We didn't have the the proof necessarily then, but now it's here. Yeah. Okay. Ryan. So I was going to ask you this, Ryan, the, we did an episode, um, the single superstar conundrum. Right. And that was that was the thing is is going into uh I guess call it last season. I call it a real pivotal time in Kingsland. You know, we're going to, we're going to that last season and uh Fox is getting paid and he doesn't have the talent around him. We talked about how in the NBA you can't have one guy, right? You can't have one guy that can be the guy that can turn everything around. There's one player really that I is is LeBron James. Like he's like the only guy that I could think of that, you know, who really, and and he's not that right. So I didn't understand the blame. Like you said, KC for that, the calling him a loser, you know, which was, I I, I can't believe there were real takes. Um, 
one thing about Darren Fox is that he came to a historically losing franchise and he got paid like a star, but he wasn't there yet. And it's not his fault. Like I said, it's, it's more of a product of, of the, uh, the way the, the CBA works and how guys get their extensions, the timeliness of them when they get extensions. So what happened, it was a weird situation where uh, so much pressure was on that guy in that moment when he's 23 years old. 23 i mean that's super young you know where he had to carry all of the burden of being labeled by fans as a superstar like the pressure of that the burden of that but he wasn't the he wasn't that yet um and he didn't have the players around him to really be successful at that time and he was held to that standard but that's not really where he was yet and so that's i think what's so satisfying is the aggressive moves that happen around him and that he rose to the occasion um you know, I, I I will always be the Darren Fox apologist because in that moment I saw that and I and I believed in that and so, um, it, you know, to me it was obvious. It was if if there was ever time for patience, it was with him at that moment. And I'm really not surprised, right? Are you, Ryan? I mean, you're not as well. You're with me. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. You know, I I remember a couple of years ago, um, you had talked about this, and uh, you did a good you did a, a really good job on explaining. Um, the contracts and stuff. I don't know if people remember, but Jamal Murray got that big contract early. And uh, he that guy was kind of in the same position as Deer and Fox about, uh, you know, you're getting paid that $150 million or whatever the hell it is. And you're 22 and you haven't made that step yet. You know, Michael Porter Jr. is in that. And, uh, you know, it doesn't always work out. And I think that's what people were worried about with Deer and Fox. But I don't know why people were worried about that. For me, I always saw like, man, this dude's going to be I thought it was pretty clear how talented he was. Um, so, you know, I, I understand why people, you know, were in that position and thought that, you know, had that thought process. But for the whole losing, the, he was a loser kind of thing. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous, man. People just panicking. But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, Darren Fox is a fucking all-star finally. And everybody can kind of move past that. So, um, and then going back to this, to the single superstar conundrum, man, it, Look at every team across the NBA, man. You need you need two guys, and in sometimes you need three or four guys uh, to to get you past that uh, you know little threshold of the play in and and getting to the top of the standings in the West. So overall, man, De'Aaron Fox is a fucking all star dude, and it's it's amazing, and you know everything kind of worked out for the guy. There there was a uh, there there have been a, like a lot of players like who have taken that leap at that's what gave me hope. A lot of players have taken that leap at about twenty four twenty five. Young athletic guards, it's been a ton of them. James Harden, early in his career, came off the bench, right? And, and it really wasn't until he went to the Houston Rockets where he finally got that opportunity. His game expanded, um, and all of a sudden, boom. I mean, one of the greatest scorers of our of the of the generation that he played in, really, an all-time NBA score, really. Um, I, I think I, I look at a guy like that, I, um, you... You look at uh, around the league and the, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard was another guy, small market guy. There was a time where Damian, Damian Lillard was around 26 points a game and wasn't an all-star. They didn't make him an all-star, you know? And so it takes that it takes time to get there. And, and that's why around the tanking stuff, I was so against it because I've always seen this trend since the NBA has gone in this direction where young guys get drafted at 18, 19 and they get to that second contract and they're still not producing as far as wins go because they're still on the ascension of development. And so that's why I very much have been against like going all in on picks and stuff because then you're you're basically the chances of a guy ascending slim. They're, they're, it's, it's like slim, slimmer than not, right? 
But then when you bank on five guys doing that, it's like, is that really going to happen? That's what happened to the Kings with the Harry Giles and, you know, the Bagley, the, the, that whole time where they had all those draft picks. And, and I have a poster on my wall with all these guys, Justin Jackson and you know, all these guys. And it's like, you know, remember that super team just young thing? And I, I'm just so against, I was so against that because you have to wait a long time. And I'm not for that half a decade wait. You know, so many negative things can happen. So, you know, I think people just were so eager maybe to put the pressure on them. But at the end of the day, the guy's games expanded. Uh, and, and we could talk about that a little, Casey. I mean, the three-point shooting. I'm a little surprised about, about some of the three-point shooting and some of that. The one thing is that the guy, there was a quote he said this year. And I always, when I watch Kings games and he gets a shot, I always think about this. He says, like, I can get a shot off anywhere. And that's kind of true. The dude is kind of, he's at that point where he can get shots off all the time. Like, as an offensive weapon, I know you watch a lot of NBA basketball. Um, you know, talk about his offensive game in the, uh, in the, in, in the NBA as a whole. Love what hard work does, yeah. yeah. Going to the offseason, bust your ass on on shooting free throws, uh, shooting jumps, jump shots. Uh, you know, it, it clearly paid off for him. And I always thought he had the capability to be a better shooter, uh, you know, for whatever reason. And maybe, you know, it goes into the pressure that's on such a young kid coming to a franchise being asked to, hey, turn this thing around that's been bad for so long. It's hard, right, guys? There's a mental aspect. And I think for guys who have played basketball and I'm, you know, I didn't play basketball at a high level, but you know, high school, um, there is a huge mental aspect to shooting. Well, especially at the free throw line, especially from three, right. The more confidence you have in yourself, the more relaxed you're going to be. And confidence goes a lot into, you know, your ability to consistently make shots. And so I think that he over the years has through hard work, that builds confidence, man. You go in and you get up early every day. You're in the gym every day. You're working on your shot. You know, over time, you're going to have confidence in yourself to make that shot. And I think you you see some of those things happening with Fox. And um, it because he he was able to have that work ethic and go back and, and grind it out, that's why he's been able to have this success. So between the three-point shooting, between the free throw shooting, his mid-range jump shot has gotten even better. The mid-range jumpers that he takes right now and makes are amazing man doesn't matter turn around fade away stop on a dime pull up um could be you know a little flatter could be an arc arc shot over the tallest guy in the league like man that guy is is straight money from that area and and he always has been but he, he continues to get better at it so i don't even know that we're looking at a prime deer in fox yet you know this he may still be able to get better um, at his age, I think over the next couple of years, he's still going to be in a position to continue to to improve and go and work in the offseason. And um, I think the success that they're having is going to further build into that confidence. And we're going to see an even better Fox next year and an even better Fox the year after that. This was not a fluke that he made the all-star team. This guy's going to be an all-star for the next three or four years. Uh, I'm pretty confident in that. So love what, love what I've seen. Eric, I see you have something to add there. Go for it. Well, it's the, you know, I just want to add, you said this isn't the best version of, of Deer and Fox. We're going to see, fuck no, man. Guy, you know, guys in the NBA have proven that their prime is 28 to 32 years old, right? What is he, 24, 25? We're still a few years away from that. And that's, you know, that was talking about DeMontis Sabonis last year. That was kind of our thing. You know, people are like, well, he was an all-star in the, in the Eastern Conference. It's going to be a little different. Well, yeah, the guy was a two-time all-star when he was 24, 23. These guys are just now hitting their prime. So I, you know, not only have we seen, we haven't seen the best out of De'Aaron Fox, but we haven't seen the best out of 
uh, you know, Sabonis. We haven't even seen the best out of Malik Monk yet, right? These guys are hella young, and you have to take that into account. You have to realize, like, dude, these dudes aren't even they're they're not even fully grown men yet. <laughs> At the end of the day, like, you know, they their their bodies haven't completely developed. They haven't reached the peak athleticism yet. So we still got a few more years, man. Those, you know, especially man, they're they're just now entering that prime of their actual bodies and their talent. So it's going to be really cool. And I completely agree, man. We're going to see for the next few years that they're all-stars. And Eric, I think you hit on it really well, right? It just takes time. And that's, that's why we've been in the camp of trade the pick. And it's not like we don't think we can go get somebody in the draft that's going to be good. It's that we don't think that we can get somebody in the draft that's going to come in and provide the value that somebody that is coming into their prime that maybe hasn't got there yet because um, it's just they've needed some extra time to develop. And that's the point that that I had tried to make was, yes, we can have some rookies on the team. It's good to have a balance of that. So as guys are aging, right, other guys are kind of coming into their own. But having a team that is all young guys, you're just nobody is there yet. It's going to take time. You have to have a balance of that. And that's why as a team with all young players, we're like, we got to trade some of these draft picks. We need a balance of that. And I think we're seeing a little bit why as, as you know, like you said, Sabonis Fox, they're all coming into their own right now. Um, so I wanted to emphasize on that. It's, you know, that's why we're, we're saying trade the pick. It's not that we don't like young players are developing. It's just that it takes a while for these guys to really get to where they need to be. I, I used I used the Boston Celtics, Casey, as a as a great example. There's not as their entire franchise, but one move particularly. A couple of years ago in the draft, everybody it was the Halliburton draft. Uh, all those people that are really into like mock drafts in Kingsland, they wanted they they wanted the Kings to draft Aaron Nesmith. They were super high on Aaron Nesmith, so the Celtics ended up drafting him, and the Celtics they moved him without just. I think it ended up getting like Malcolm Brogdon or something. Like they, they moved him with the quickness, and he's been moved. You know. Bang, you got moved. You got moved. You got moved again the other day. I yeah, think, you, right? got moved, you moved yeah. again the other day, and so that's just shows like in the draft and in the moment, everyone likes to see the potential, and they think that it's an automatic ride to the top of that potential. And it's not the case, and so there's always the chance, I guess. Um, and, and that's what I use Boston because Boston is an established team. Once they got the key guys, the draft picks became a little more uh, meaningless. You start to look more for specialty players. You start to look for more for guys who can really eat minutes throughout an NBA season with impact and. And that's why this trade deadline kind of to circle it back is it was, I thought, pivotal for for us because I think the Kings are um, almost going to get to that point. I'm not saying they're the Boston Celtics, but th they are the three seed in the Western Conference and a typical Western Conference. And it, uh, so it's not like totally far fetched. Right. Um, and, and it was that like, you know, right now you can't afford to have developing guys. You can't afford to have wasted roster spots, if you will. Right. So that, that, that's, that's kind of why, uh, you know, like you said, the young player, this, that the balance there's, there, it's it, every situation, individual, you evaluate them individually. And, um, one that we can spend a minute on real quick, Casey, uh, is, is like Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell was ninth pick in the draft. And, that was one we were every year we're almost like TTP, but that was when we we're like coming TTP for sure. And so great example. It's on the Kings roster. You you spent a top 10 pick. And although his defensive rating is high, it's a defensive rating on ball guards. I mean, you really need wing defenders in the NBA. And so Kings Kings fans, as much as they love young players, as much as they love potential, I feel like that one is more everybody is in agreement on the pessimistic side of David Mitchell because they're seeing that lack of the production right now, right? They're seeing that. They're seeing like, oh, this guy does 
have needs room to grow. This guy's shot isn't all the way right. He he does have deficiencies, like you know, and so you start to consider players like that when you're ascending and it's like, man, would we have better off have been having somebody different? So those are those little, like you said, nuanced things. And it's not when people listen to this, they're like, well, well, they want to counter. And I'm not saying, but I'm just saying like in, in, a, in a small little, like, you know, microscope and you look at situations like this, you can see how you can see the point, I guess is what I'm saying. And, so I'll take it to this to this next spot is one thing with the standings um, and with the Western Conference, we can talk all about that, guys, is that uh, one of my biggest fears is that the Kings are going to become like the Atlanta Hawks of a couple years ago. That was something I was like really scared about. The Atlanta Hawks uh, with Trey Young ascended very quickly. They got did they get to the Eastern Conference finals? Help me out. East, yeah, East. Yeah, they got to the Eastern Conference finals that year. They beat the Knicks yeah. and all that. Yeah. But if you look at that team, loaded team, right? They had Clint Capella, John Collins, Kevin Herter, uh, Trey Young, Bogdanovich, um, Cam Gal- Reddish, Gallinari, uh, DeAndre, Gallinari. Hunter, Man, Hunter. that team is right. So think of those Atlanta Hawks fans at the time. The future is bright. Blah blah blah. They screwed it up. They locked themselves in a cap hell. They they've kind of they 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 spent that top pick on. What's that dude? They draft a dude from USC. I'm trying to remember. They draft like the Ford. Well, hey. well they have DeAndre. They drafted DeAndre Hunter. I, I can't remember the, the years how it worked, but like, yeah. Didn't they draft like Ngaku or whatever too? Yeah. They, yeah. There was a couple years in there where they kind of fucked up some draft picks. They did. And so that's what happened is, you know, I, I'm to each their own and every move. It's easy to look backwards, but that's always my fear. Mismanagement of cap, mismanagement of assets and stuff. And, um, I just look at a team like that, you, you know, just I remind people at this moment, there have been teams that have ascended, but then they screwed up very quickly. <laughs> and that's why I always get worried about transaction time. It's the draft. It's the trade deadline. It's the offseason. I get worried about one wrong move uh, about things. And so um, that's all. I, mean, I, I don't think they're there, but I just wanted to point that out because it's something I've been like perseverating on. So the Western Conference uh, right now is super tight. And I, I want to put us on the spot because, you know, we like to say that we're willing to have a take uh, and people in Kingsland, the, the, the caution has been like, well, we're the three seed. We're the three seed. And I want you guys to talk about this. Like, let's talk about the West. Let's talk about some teams you like. But at some point, we're going to have to get to the point. Of like, where do we see the Kings right now really kind of falling or climbing or staying? Like, where where is that going to finish? So um, right now. Uh, Western Conference teams below, like maybe do you guys want to kind of go through and talk about which teams scare you the most below? Me, and which yeah, teams- yeah. Give me two seconds. Let me bring up the standing so I have an accurate depiction of what the heck's going on. I was waiting for this, man. I'm I've this has kind of been the whole thing around the trade deadline is like, you know, a lot of people, well, we're the three seed, uh, but people don't really go look at the standings. Yeah, we're the three seed, but if you look in the win column. The three, four, five, six seeds all have the same amount of wins. 31 wins, right? We're 31 and 24. Dallas has. It's Dallas, Phoenix, Clippers are all behind us, but it's 26 losses, 27, 28. So they've played more games than us. Um, and then it brings you down to the seven and eight seeds with Golden State's 28 and 27. And then New Orleans, 29 and 28. Um, that's kind of the where we're at. Dallas got better. We can all agree. Okay, Kyrie Irving coming to Dallas makes them a better fucking team. Phoenix, 31 and 27, same amount of wins as us, right? They added Kevin fucking Durant, okay, a top three player in the NBA right now, probably the best scorer of our generation and who's only 34 and people might think that's old, but the dude's a, a fucking scoring machine, okay? 
And then you have the Clippers, who were hella hurt in the beginning of the year. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard were not fucking playing. That team is good. Okay, I am going to say right now, all those teams, I believe, finish ahead of Sacramento. I really believe that. I, I believe that Dallas will jump us, Phoenix jumps us, the Clippers jump us. Right? That puts Sacramento at the sixth seed. Depending on what happens with Steph Curry, okay, we don't know. The Gary Payton trade as well is going to fuck them. Um, I'm not willing to say that Golden State jumps us. I'm not willing to say New Orleans jumps us. I think Minnesota falls. Utah is going to fall. Um, and then the Lakers being six games behind, I don't see them catching us. Um, but I, I'm going to I'm gonna come out right now. I'm going to say six seed. Barring injuries, right? Things change. Everything's fluid. But if all things are the same, we get caught and we get snatched up and we're the six seed. I, I am 100% confident in saying that. And it, there ain't nothing wrong with that, right? It is what it is. But all this false perception that the Kings are the three seed, they can maintain the three seed. I don't think that's possible, man. Like I said, you know, the depth, your rolled ankle away from falling, you know, below, you know, probably the seventh seed if Steph Curry comes back. So, um, yeah, that, that's how I feel. And then that's also dangerous too, man. It, it's really dangerous because then you start getting into that sixth seed and you start getting, you know, you're probably going to see a, a Phoenix in the playoffs. If you, you know what I mean? Like that's where it starts coming. You know, you start seeing where you're probably going to see Phoenix or you're going to see a Dallas or you're going to see Luke and Kyrie in a playoff in a playoff match. And that's not fun, man. That That's not what you want to see. So I'm going to come on here right now and say the six seed. Yeah, I wish I could drop a different take. You know, <laughs> I wish I wish it was a little bit different. I, I'm looking at it almost the exact same way. I just Dallas, Phoenix and the Clippers, right? If they're healthy, they are better than we are. You know, on paper, we'll see what it looks like um, on the floor. And, and like we've said, with health, but those guys are better than we are. Um, they have better talent than we do if if everybody's playing and gelling and i think they will be so i'm gonna say fifth or sixth seed uh, i'll guess maybe one of those teams doesn't stay healthy right and, and kind of you know stay say that we can end up in the fifth seed and have a little bit more optimism there but I, i'm right there with you right those those three teams are scary those are the ones that i'm worried about and then it's all about the warriors and the lakers if they're gelling if they can figure it out and stay healthy those would be the other two teams that i see down there i don't think anybody else is going to challenge us and the lakers most likely aren't going to challenge uh, challenge us but they will get into i think the play in area and and if healthy they'll be they'll be fighting it right there with us um completely with you i, I have a question for you guys uh, or m m maybe ryan has something to add there um but before that i'll just drop my question maybe you can work it into what you were going to say um, of those three teams, right? It's, let's say we do end up dropping or somewhere in that realm. Is there a team you guys would rather see in the playoffs? Looking at the Mavericks, looking at the Suns, looking at the Clippers. If you had to pick one, who do you want to battle against in seven games? Dallas, those motherfuckers don't play no defense. We saw that last night. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm going to the game tonight. We're going to see that. Uh, I, I'd rather see Dallas just because I think Sabonis can capitalize. That would be the difference maker, right? Like, Christian Wood can't even touch that dude, right? Dwight Powell can't touch him down low. Um, I'd rather see Dallas, obviously. I do not want to see Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. And I for sure, dude, it's kryptonite for Sacramento, the lengthy teams. That's always been Sacramento's thing the last few years is when you start playing these athletic length, you know, lengthy teams, you have issues. Dallas isn't lengthy, but a six foot 10, pretty much seven foot Kevin Durant, um that that's a length issue that's a mismatch nightmare and then the clippers dude paul george and Kawhi leonard that is sacramento kryptonite right there you know and and 
people might not agree, but I, I really just, they have no answer for those type of players. Who's going to guard them on the roster? Harrison Barnes? No. Malik Monk? No. Kevin Herter for sure ain't damn doing it. You know, Keegan Murray can't match up with those dudes yet. So I, I worry about those, uh, the Phoenix and, and the Clippers. Dallas, you just never, Dallas scares me because like you saw in the playoffs last last year, look what Luka did. He's so good. You know, Kyrie and Luke are so good one-on-one. And if they get hot, man, these dudes will straight up drop 50 on you, both of them. You know, we saw it in the in the NBA Finals with Kyrie when he was like 23, dude, dropping freaking 41, you know, in an NBA Final game. Like, the, these these guys are next-level scorers, right? And um, of those, and, and let's, let's be completely real, uh, of those three teams, you know, they have, everybody's got two players, right? Devin Booker, Durant. Chris or uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and then Sabonis Fox. Out of those duos, we have the worst duo. Say whatever you want, right? And say, well, we have they're both all stars, but at the end of the day, at the current state that they're at, I'll take those other two duos over our duos. And people might think that's crazy, or whatever, but that it is what it is, right? Those duos are better than our duos. And in playoff matches, in playoff scenarios, the top tier talent matters, okay? That that stuff matters. It's a reason why the Denver Nuggets come in and uh, you know are the one seed the last few years, and they can't get it done because at the end of the day they go play a team that has a duo, you know that that capitalizes on that. Same thing with the Utah team. The reason Utah blew that shit up, right? Yeah, it's all great in the regular season and longevity when you have five, six, seven guy rotations. But at the end of the day, those top tier players are what drives the NBA playoffs, and that's why. I'm afraid of Golden State in the playoffs. Obviously, they're the reigning champs. That's why I'm afraid of if the Lakers do get in, that you're going to have to see LeBron and AD play 40 minutes a night, and that's a real issue. I'm I'm at a point where uh, I think that the Kings realistically, it it's just being real. I, I think that they, if I'm betting, I'm going to bet that they're probably going to end up lower than they are now. Um, and I agree. I think the Suns are the team that's going to ascend. I think really it's going to it's going to be like the Kings, the Mavericks and the Clippers that are really going to they're really going to have to work that out. That's going to be a, that's going to be a real sorting. So like the, if the Kings, I'll say I'm going to just go with it that the Kings just based on talent are probably going to be five or six. I, Dallas is one of those teams that like I'm not I, I just I don't know, man, I'm, I'm not going to buy Dallas super heavy. Um right away and just give them the benefit of the doubt. But I'm going to say five or six, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Right. I, I think it's going to be clear who the top ones are going to be. And I think that when you get into the playoffs, as long as you stay out of that play in scenario that then it's fine because it doesn't really matter. Like personally, I'd rather see the Kings face the Denver nuggets in, in the first round. Hypothetically, then, then I would rather see the Clippers or the Suns or the Warriors, and honestly, probably the Lakers, how crazy that sounds. Personally, I, I would rather see the the Nuggets. So it doesn't necessarily matter like where they stand if they fall a little bit. It's that they stay out of the play-in situation. Worst case scenario is that the Kings fall even f- a little bit further, and they do end up playing a bad matchup like you know, like like the Lakers or somebody in a play-in situation, terrible, and then it's your one, you're done. You know that that's the ultimate fear, and so that's why kind of at the trade deadline, I, the the biggest Kings deficiency that could have been addressed right away was like a, you know, I I told Ryan last episode, Casey, I was like the the look at impact players like superstars hard to come by, but there's one player who is a 
difference maker that's a role player, and it was Matisse Thibel. He's an all-defensive player. Well, the biggest fault of the Kings right now is they let random dudes go off for 41 points on them. It just happened against uh, Rockets the other day. That's a problem. So that's why at the trade line, like, if I had to be the most, like, disappointed that was the one thing i really really would have liked to see that because you get a guy like that i feel a little more comfortable if we go up against uh, a sons you okay th- you know go guard booker right get out there team defense everywhere else uh you, you know you're gonna get the mavericks okay let's go on ball on, on on Kyrie from fox let's go on ball on on uh luca you know it just helps a little bit so um you know at the end of the day like the the kings have quote unquote overachieved but uh it's really just not. It's about avoiding that bad matchup in the play-in game, and then being as prepared as possible to the best matchup. So, um, I, I applaud you guys for wanting to go out there and doing that because and, and putting your take right now, um, because uh, you know it's something that that people ha- in the threads on Kingsland, you know, they want you to pick a side and they want to pounce on the side, and then they, you know, receipts will come back. But I think there's a lot of context to it, right? And, and I think we're, we've kind of we've kind of laid that out. Um, um, I was where I, where I was gonna go was with the uh the, the the next thing I guess is just that um who is it that who outside of the Kings like do you do you do you, who do you guys love who's the front runner right now in your opinion Phoenix. I mean, wh- you, you think so you think I so, I Jason? don't care I I don't care what anybody says man I I don't care what anybody says Phoenix is the front runner do, nobody wants to see Phoenix in a playoff series out of the Western Conference. Nobody. DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul. The rest is irrelevant. I don't give a shit if they don't have a bench. I don't care. Okay. I don't want to see that. And nobody does. And I, there's, you know, if, if the, the fact that people have been saying that Phoenix is, oh, I don't believe in Phoenix. They got nope. I don't care. Okay. I don't care. DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. That enough said, man. Who's got a better four than that? Nobody. Nobody. So for people to sit here and tell me, oh, I, I'm not worried about Phoenix, you're fucking crazy, first off. Right. Um, and then the other team, depending, you know, and people, people might think I'm crazy. The one other team that I'll talk about is the Clippers, man. Worry about the Clippers, especially if they go get like Russell Westbrook. And people think Russell Westbrook's trash. He's not trash. That guy has, you know, that that dude plays hard and he can add something to a team like the Clippers, especially if they're bringing him off the bench, man. He's always been a matchup nightmare just because of his size and athletic ability for a team like Sacramento. So um, 100% Phoenix is at the top of my list, and you know the Clippers are right there. Uh, if I were to pick a finals matchup, I'm looking at the list. I think, look, look, uh, I'm I'm straight with you, right? Phoenix, from a starter standpoint, and guess what, guys? There's a buyout market that's coming. Uh, these players that are in a buyout situation, guess who they're going to be looking at? It's going to be Phoenix, right? They're going to get the best buyout players to bring off the bench going forward. That's how these kind of moves work, right? You look at Miami way back. Everybody wanted to go there. You just want to be involved with that. You know you're going to uh, go far in the playoffs. So I, I see Phoenix, if healthy, and um, you know it's hard to guess who's going to be healthy. But if they're healthy, I'd, I think that they're going to be in the finals. And then same with, I'm looking on the other side, I'd probably go, if Milwaukee is healthy, I think that they're going to uh, be a team that ends up getting there. And that would be a really fun finals matchup. Bucks, uh, Suns, a lot of length, a um, lot of star power. They got people that can guard each other on both sides. Uh, that would be really fun. I'd say those are the two teams that I would pick if I had to pick a finals matchup right now. Yeah, I, I forgot to give you this conference, right? Uh, Boston. 
I think Boston's my yeah Boston Phoenix man that's that's loaded that's that's some loaded that's a loaded finals right there man so that's what I'm going with uh, my preseason pick was the was the Bucks so I'm riding with them I think they're just they're just that team um it's a it's a great point Casey we haven't even addressed and people don't talk about the buyout market um we can sit here for a second uh you know some lists going on in Kingsland list of buyout players you know will the Kings get a buyout player maybe. They, they might, you know, they might, but they're not going to get the buyout player. They're not going to get those buyout players, right? And so that that's that's a great point that you you put about the Suns is that the Suns went out, look, look at this, right? They go out and they deplete their bench in a lot of like key rotational players to go to Kevin Durant. They're not even tripping. And everybody sitting here is just like, they're, they're no worries. They're going to be that team. The, there was a player, man. I wish I could remember. I, I, maybe you can help me out. Okay, see, I was reading something yesterday and it was like, yeah, I've, they're going to get bought out and they wanted to go to the Suns. You're already seeing some articles like that. So it, it, that's the one. It is a flaw with the NBA. That buyout market does frustrate me because um, you can do everything within a pro league to create, uh, you know, equity around the league as far as uh, cap room and the ability to sign your own player to more money and, you know, the draft law. There's a lot of things in place to kind of keep things as level as you can. But the buyout market is not one of them. <laughs> that is not one of them. It's complete player empowerment, and it particularly serves the top teams. And so, especially for a for a team like the Kings, who is uh, playing really well and getting up there, um, you know, they're just going to be pushed down on default because of that fucking buyout market. Um, <laughs> you, you know, you know. So, uh, I, I have a question, real quick, for you guys about the. Uh, Say this. This is something I've seen people say. I'll let you guys comment on it. All right. Um, the Kings are ahead of schedule, so just like be happy about it. Um, does that mean anything to you? Like that's been something I've seen. Like what? What do you think about that, Ryan? I, I think it's absolute bullshit. What does ahead of schedule mean? What does ahead of schedule mean? It's been sixteen fucking years. What does that mean? Right. That people have this false, you know, this false perception that, you know, oh well, the timeline, right? Like. Keegan Murray's young and our timeline is probably, you know, I'll be happy five years from now. Like I see them in the championship five years from now. Look how fast it takes to rebuild. Okay. You're the three seed right now. Okay. The timeline is now. All right. You're not going to not make moves the next few years because you're ahead of schedule. Yeah. Great. You know, we, we didn't think they'd be the three seed this year, but we thought they'd be in a, in a, a much better situation than they were last year and the year before. So the whole, the whole thing of, uh, it's you know ahead of schedules, crap, man. Teams make jumps, right? That's it's the it's the it's what happens, man. Teams make jumps when they have talent. Look at Memphis a few years ago; they made a jump. Look how fast Golden State made a jump. Okay, they 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 made the didn't make the playoffs one year. They come in, they're like the six seed, and the next year they win the NBA Finals, and they've been a dynasty ever since. And we're still dealing with that, right? Um, that's it's the way it, it, this way it happens. Teams don't take seven years you know, to, to graduate. Oh, you know, we, we were the 12 seed and then we moved up to the 10 and then we went eight, seven, six, five. It's not how it works, man. Teams make fucking jumps. So ahead of schedules, crap sitting pat and saying, well, we should just be happy because they're this it's crap, dude. I don't believe in that. It's kind of a loser's mentality, man. When you've just been in the gutter, uh, you've been in the gutter for so long that people are just, I'm just happy to be here now. It's not what we're about. And I know we used to come on here and be like, you know, I just be happy. If, I just want to see a Kings playoff, right? I don't want to see it. Well, you know, fuck that. <laughs> We're here now and let's be better. Fuck that. 
that's a loser's mentality, right? And and you know, we've been subject to that over the last 16, 17 years with those loser franchises. And let's, you know, they've been the worst franchise in American sports since I was in fifth grade. Okay. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, you know, fuck that. Let's let's get better now. Let's do all we can right now. Um, so yeah, screw the ahead of schedule crap. It really bugs me. Bunch of yeah, and I think there's been some really good points that everybody has brought up here, right? And I've mentioned it's a league of opportunity, right? When you're here, you know, you should capitalize on that and, and go back and do everything you can to make the most of it. Um, Eric brings up a team like Atlanta who was there, maybe didn't capitalize and and fell down a little bit. So looking at where we're at, it's not a, and I think it goes beyond basketball guys. Like it's in life in general, right? If you reach a state in which you've been shooting towards, it should not be the end all be all. You should not be content that you've reached the area that you want to reach. Keep looking at areas to get better. Keep trying to self-improve. It's no different for a basketball team or a franchise. Like the moment, and I said this already, but the moment you stop trying to get better, you are falling behind because everybody else, the people that you are competing against are trying to get better. So keep at it. guys. Don't be content. That, that would be my comment there. I, I don't like that. I don't like that comment at all. I, I push back on, on people that say that. And look, I, I get it, right? We've been so bad for so long. It's nice to have the success that we have, but that doesn't mean we need to get complacent and not try to continue to get better from there. Um, hoping, hoping Monty takes that approach. I think he's, you know, like I said, he's done a great job. It just, let's speed it up a little bit. Let's, let's make the move. Let's, you know, you just got your extension. You can take a little bit more risk now that, that, that you're locked in and, uh, give up some of those second round picks, but let's let's take advantage of where we are in the third seed, not slip down to the sixth and be content with it because we've been asked for 15 years, <laughs> you know? Well, people believe that there's this master plan. And like Ryan said, that as long as you follow the path ahead, that you're going to go, you know, one ring up every every time. And that's the natural progression. Just follow the master plan and it all works out. It, it unfortunately doesn't work that way. And I think that people listening to the episode and listening to our kind of final take here, like, well, man, you guys said that this team's young. They haven't even hit their peak yet. Like, right. So you're kind of contradicting yourselves. And and, and that's why I said there's always more nuance in things, there's all, it, it especially takes. And it's that it can kind of be both. Yeah, there's a future here, but it's, it's uh, fragile. You have to make the right moves. You have to constantly be looking at things and judging things in the moment it's it's fragile and that's just the state of it so that's why i like to do kank's cast is because we come on here and hopefully articulate that nuance of it um but at the end of the day like we said all takes aside in the moment we're looking ahead the kings of the three seed that feels really fucking good um i'm i'm really hoping that it ends up in a playoff berth i'm really hoping to be able to go to the golden one center this year and fucking drink and have a great time and and have it rocking and so that's great in the moment, and it's okay to talk about those other things as well as it's going on. So, Casey, great episode, man. It was great to have you on for Kingsland, episode six, Kings Cast 136, bro. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, we talked about wanting to play Dallas. I would love to play Dallas, guys. I'll go to every game. I live in Dallas. I'll, I'll be at every game. I'm going to the two ones that are going to be back-to-back in Sacramento. I'd go to the two that are here. Uh, that would be awesome, just the fact that we get to play in a playoff game. I'm super excited. But, yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Hopefully we can – uh, do this a little bit more going forward. Uh, life slows down a little bit for everybody and I can get back on and do a couple more episodes with you guys. They're always fun. Yeah, definitely, man. And you had made a post I'll reference real quick for a close out. You had said like the, uh, we didn't get to it, but the Memphis Grizzlies Sacramento Kings is one of the 
best potential rivalries that no one's talking about. And I think that one, it, it, I, I was going to ask you guys who who was your dream matchup in the playoffs. And I think that'd be one of them. I think it'd be so fiery for the Kings, especially if, if they performed well. So a lot of cool matchups, a lot of things. We'll have you on to KC as uh, keep doing this. It's a hot season. We need to, we definitely need to make it happen. And, and honestly, shout out to everybody out there in Kingsland. Um, you know, Vignesh and Aaron and, and, and some of those guys out there who came to the top of my head and just everybody who really participates and makes that, that group fun. Um, for us, we enjoy doing it. Matt Mossman, James Kendall, Daniel Utter listens to the podcast. So I just shout out a couple names and everybody else out there. Uh, best place to be for sure. So, hey, guys, we appreciate you listening. If you ever want to interact or be a part of the show, you can always do so by tagging us. You can find us um, on Twitter and Facebook at Kingscast Eric and at Kingscast Ryan. And I know you can find KC on Facebook at Kings Kingsland KC, uh, where we are all the admins of the Kingsland Facebook page with Cap City Crown Tony. Um, and if you want to support the show, please slide down on Apple Podcasts or slide up on Spotify to leave us a five-star review. It does help us reach more Kings fans just like you. And if you ever want to check anything else out, you can find us on the Believe Podcast Network, where we are, the Sacramento Kings signature show. So with that full rhyme, this is Eric. Go Kings. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.